We start off a little custom, but we had to bring in Manny Fresh representing the 504 today to the Who That Kiss podcast. It's your boy RK Rockin' Wit. JD, man, that brings me back to my like grade 10 days. <laughs> That's bringing it way back, man. I like that. That yeah. was awesome. That's what I'm feeling today. Well, today we got a great guest on today. We got uh, we got Nick Underhill joining us, and this is going to be one of our one of our better moments on this podcast. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, thanks, thankfully, Nick is going to join us and uh, give us some time to pick his brain and ask him some questions and see what's going on with the Saints. So we're going to get to him right now, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Who That Kids podcast. It's your boy RK Rockin' Wit, and we got our. Our esteemed guest today, Nick Underhill. Thank you for joining us, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. You know, I guess we just start this off, Nick. Yeah, I, I just subscribed to your your website that, that you got going on. Do you want to just explain that a little bit to any of our listeners so they can uh, they can also jump in? Yeah, so I covered the Saints for five seasons before, and I, I got a job offer at the Athletic to cover the Patriots and. You know, it, it was tough for me to leave because, you know, I knew the connection I had with the same stands, and there was a realization before I even left that, you know, it was probably the happiest I was ever going to be in my work, but it felt like a situation where, you know, it, it, you do a job, and it's like there, there's a ladder, and there's rungs, and you're supposed to climb the rungs, and you're supposed to keep trying to go up, and, like, that's what people do. That, that's what, you know, success is, and it's kind of laid out, and you, you're on this path, and that's the path you're supposed to walk, and, you know, for, for covering the Saints, it's, it's like a mid market NFL team and covering the Patriots for the athletic, that's like, you know, a really a really big job. And when I came, you know, it was a hard decision but I felt like I had to do it. But, you know, I went up there for a year and just like my feel and my passion for my work like changed. Like covering covering the Saints for me was just it was something I did. Like it it wasn't a job. It was just, you know, something I needed to do. Like it it made me happy. It made me feel fulfilled. And like covering the Patriots like all of a sudden, writing about football turned into a job for me. And, yeah. You know, I, I, I just felt like I needed to, to make a change. You know, starting about, you know, October, it just it just started to eat at me. And, you know, I started looking at my situation. I was like, you know, I, I just got to go back and do what makes me happy. So, you know, journalism's a, a, a rocky business. Um, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to do their thing. And, and for me, you know, I just felt like it was an opportunity to, to try to start a website myself um, to try to hope that there were enough Saints fans that wanted me here as much as I wanted to be here and that they would be willing to pay for me to do the things that I do and so you know we, we started this website New Orleans South Football me and my wife um, she runs you know the, the books and all that stuff she's an accountant you know I, I write the articles and you know so far so good the, the turnout's been pretty good um, despite the coronavirus stuff going on you know people have showed up pretty good um you know, there's still a little bit of ways to go, but we're four months into it. And, you know, I would say, um, you know, so far the signs look positive. So, you know, it's, it's a gamble for sure, but so far it's paying off. And, you know, personally, you know, doing the work that I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm happy again. Um, you know, it's not work again. And so far uh, it's off to a great start. Well, I can say as a, as, a, as a diehard Saints fan, I know Justin will probably second this. Uh, we're happy that you're back in New Orleans doing the New Orleans football instead of New England stuff, and the website is phenomenal. 
Um, the twenty nine question, the twenty nine questions that you that you wrote on there. That's that's one of the better articles I've read all year. Um, going through with the questions for the Saints uh, going into next year. Um, yeah, it's something that if you're definitely a Saints fan, you should check out. Uh, do you want to plug the address this for everybody? Yeah, it's just NewOrleans.football. Um, if that confuses you, you can just type in NewOrleansFootball.com. It'll take you to the same place. But yeah, I, yeah, that's it. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm not a big plug guy or anything like that, but uh, to be honest with you, I thought it was super awesome, and I, who, who else to, you know, talk about it than yourself while you're here, so. Um, but let's get you on to some questions, because we, we got some burning questions for you that we know you got the answers to. Um, <laughs> you do. So, right now, the this, this situation with the Saints is we probably have, top to bottom, the most top-heavy team in the NFL with regards to, like, top, 10 players at their position um, on offense and defense. I actually think that a position of strength for us is our starting corner tandem. But I have a little bit of fear in the fact that if one of those guys gets injured, we're looking at like a Corey White situation is what it feels like we'd be looking at because we'd have to put PJ outside or just somebody that I don't trust out there. Um, what are your thoughts about what we might do in free agency with regards to corner, or how would we, how would Dennis Allen, you know, work around um, if if Marshawn or Janoris got hurt? Yeah, so I think we're on the same page here. I think I think that's probably like within my top. I don't, you know, I'd have to sit down and like actually rank them, but it's definitely within my top two or three uh, concerns for the team. You know, it's a little weird how, how they're constructed because the slot corner position is it's like wildly deep you got uh gardner johnson there pj p rob yeah um and you know in a, in a pinch like if those three dudes went down like you could probably throw malcolm in there for a few snaps and get away like there's a lot of dudes that can play inside well the kid somebody goes down on the house yeah dietrich nichols is there too and he can play a little bit in the, in the slot too right yeah him too so i mean like there, there's a million options going down the board um but yeah if somebody goes down on the outside you're, you're pushing pj out there and, you know, for a game or two, I think you can get away with it. But if you were going a whole season, I, I think that, you know, you, you'd probably be in pretty big trouble. And I think fundamentally the, the way that they would have to uh, approach the position, it would have to change a little bit because they're going into this year wanting to play more press. Um, you know, last year they were a little bit zone-heavy. But P.J. is not a guy that you want with his back to the ball. You want to you have him in positions, especially on the outside, you know, kind of where he's, he's looking at it and crashing down. So I think if you had an injury, you would probably have to become almost exclusively like a cover two team mm-hmm. with off coverage, at least on that side of the field. And, I mean, they have the safeties to do that, and, and you could probably get away with it. But, you know, it, it takes away some of the, you know, some of the stuff you can do on the defensive line. Then. And then, you know, one of my other issues, you know, for me, it's, it's defensive line. If, if Davenport goes down, Rankins doesn't come back from the, the second Achilles injury the way you hope. You can get away with, like, one or the other, but if, like, both of those guys go bad, and I think, you know, just the way it's gone the last couple of years, you, you kind of got to have that contingency or, or at least be thinking about what you're going to do if they go down. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you lose a corner and you lose those guys, you know, all of a sudden, like, you, you don't have these hard reads then for the quarterback and, your defensive line needs to get there quicker. And, you know, if those two things go bad, like, it, you know, you're in a very perilous situation pretty yeah. quickly. But, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on that, though. I, I, I think that if they could find a way to get somebody else to put on the outside, it would help a lot. I just don't know who that player is or if he exists at this point. Yeah, well, we're, we're not going to speculate on whether or not Jadavion Clown is going to be a saint because I know Nader, Nader well, broke... I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's um, an awareness from, from Clowney's camp that if he were to want to come here, there is a price point, and he would have to agree to what the Saints would offer him. Yeah. And it's not like, hey, there, there's this much money and it's a big negotiation. No, it's like a Jameis situation where, like, this is the money. If you want it, you can come and take it. Um, you know, to this point, it hasn't happened yet. The last I already, he was still trying to get, like, $16 million a year. That, yeah. This was, like, three weeks ago when I heard that, though. And yeah. There might be an awakening at this point and an awareness that that's just not going to happen. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that they would be interested in him at their price, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, a big, a big, like, pursue yeah i i know justin's gonna jump in here in a second but i have one last question on that topic so if they were to sign Clowney for x amount x amount of dollars i'm not gonna throw a number out there because it's just speculative by me i have no idea um would that money interfere with the money that we have next year f- to pay guys like ak marshawn ramchek like would that influence the money that uh, that would would pay those guys next year the money over and you know so whatever you don't spend this year you can save for next year and you can roll it over it's such a hard situation to even talk about the future contracts because like if there aren't fans in the stadium this year they're losing like 3.5 billion dollars and that's going to end up affecting the cap what's the cap look like next year then you know i I have no idea so it's uh if you can save some money to to lock up your future it it makes sense you know if you want to be extremely shrewd business-wise and you see this cap dropping, and you think players' salaries are going to drop, you know, you might want to try to, to wait a year and see if you can get these guys. Like, Ramchek wouldn't sign, like, a five-year deal based on, you know, next year's cap, but he might sign a two-year deal, and you might you might get the second year pretty cheap. You know, that, that's a, like kind of a, a shrewd way to look at the business. But, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be extremely interesting to see how things, you know, these things are all going to impact each other, and nobody really knows, like, how it's all going to shake out at this point, but I mean, next year's cap is going to be—it's going to be really low, and it's—it's it's going to make it, you know, difficult to to keep these guys around. So, yeah. if you have the money, you might want to try to save it a little bit. But you know, I, I don't think that they throw the whole, you know, nine million or whatever they have in cap space at Clowney at this point. I, you know, I think, I think that it would be like a extremely, you know, like he would sign and everyone would be like, wow, that's all he got. You know, I, I think that that's what it would have to look like for him to come here. Yeah. Well, have, they, have they paid our rookies that we've drafted coming in? Are they off the, off the books in terms of like what they'll be owed this year and next year? Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Like, have we paid our, our draft picks from this, uh, this past draft? Have we already assigned to contract and, and allocated that money to the, to the salary cap that, you know, the $9 million we have? Is that including paying the, the draftees that you brought in? Yeah, so, no, not yet. I mean, some of those would come off, but, like, when you put one of those on, you're taking off one of the bottom contracts. So, like, it, it wouldn't take that much space. You know, I, I think at most, maybe million and a half, two million more in, in, in cap money. So, like, basically, you have the top 51, right? So, like, you bring someone on. So, the first-round pick would definitely add your cap. Uh, but, you know, Tommy Stevens, I don't even know if he would knock somebody off. I, I don't know who's at 51, but, you know, they're probably around 
less. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it would probably be like a million and a half, two million. So you're taking a little off there. It's, it's not too much, but you know, they, again, they, they haven't even signed any of those guys yet. Um, so it, it's just yeah. a very, it's a very unique year, um, just with the way things are going on in, in terms of the business. And you know, I don't know when they'll probably wait until day one and camp to sign those guys. And, you yeah. know, I, most teams are taking that approach. You know, I, I think that everybody's planning on the season starting on time and, and, you know, there being games. They're talking about getting fans into the stadiums for games. So, like, they aren't thinking about, you know, the doomsday scenarios, which I think creates optimism for, for you know, everything starting at the end of July. But, yeah, I mean, you know, teams are sitting on their money right now because they don't want to pay out the signing bonuses and then all of a sudden, you know, things blow up and that money's just out there and, you know, they, they don't have that money you know, they, they'd rather hold on to it and, and have it in their bank account than somebody else's. So right. it's just a, it's a weird year with the way everything's going on with the mine. Mm. Yeah, so, so if, if we, let's say, if Crowney came in and was a part of the roster now that's made up, that would be easily the, probably the best Saints roster in, in the past 15 years in, in the Sean Payton era. Um, but if he doesn't come in, do you think that this roster coming into the year is the best that we've seen in the Sean Payton era, or does it rival... The 09, the 2011, or even the 2018 season, and I guess another question you can kind of really off that one too is if you were to rank those four rosters, including this one coming up in 2020, which roster, like how would you rank those uh, four from you know from greatest to fourth greatest kind of thing? Ooh man, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, man. So I don't think I, you know, despite them winning it, no, not I don't think like entering the season. So I think that's the fairest way to look at it. It's like entering the season, we would think looking at the roster. You know, I don't think it would be oh nine oh nine. You know, overachieved. Things went on their, you know, things went their way. Um, you know, I, I think even Sean Payton would tell you that you know that wasn't the most talented roster that they've had on paper at least. You know, I think he would probably go with eleven. Um, you know, I think that, that that's everybody, you know, within the organization. That's the team they always talk about. So I think that one would have to be, you know, right right there at the top. Um, what was the other one you said, 18? Yeah, 2018 and then 2020. So like coming up. It, yeah, I, I, would put, I would put, I don't know where I'd put 18. 18 is a tough one to slot. That team should have did it, but they didn't. You know, I think this year's team, like looking at it, you know, since I've I've been here, since you know I got I got here in '14, I think this is you know on paper the team I look at like this is ridiculous like they're so good everywhere. Um, so I mean I think I would put this team second, you know, based on the ones that, that I've I've covered. Then you know nine versus eighteen, nine went all the way. So like we're we're in a push. So I would put eighteen at the bottom of those four. But okay. man, like all those teams are are, are really good, but like. You know, 18, I don't know if I felt like looking at it, it was like a Super Bowl or bust season, and I kind of feel like, you know, I, I think before that season, my, my talking point was if they don't end up in the Final Four teams in the, in the NFC, it would be a disappointing season. Like, this team, and look, I mean, there's so much weird stuff going on that, like, all these variables could knock it out. But, like, if we're looking at it through, like, a normal lens and, you know, you're judging it based off of regular football stuff, like, you know, this team to me, like, it's like man, if they're in the, the NFC title game or the Super Bowl, like it's gonna kind of feel like a disappointing season because, like, I I just think they're that good. Like they have they have top five, top ten guys. Like basically everywhere, they, every position. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like defensive tackle might be the the one spot. Uh, 
Uh, is, is another guy that maybe might not be in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, but man, yeah, like everywhere you look, there's there's people in that conversation, and you know, if, if they don't do it, like it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a you know a disappointing year. I you know I I hate to say it, but oh, like you, you, you know, I, in hanging those expectations on anybody, like <laughs> there's so much room for for disappointment. You're like I don't want to build them up to have a fall, but. But that's like they are that good. That's the problem, you know what I mean? I feel like as a Saints fan and, and and you've seen the best of this and the worst of this, I'm sure both of you guys, when we're favored or we're the big dog and people are chasing us, we don't generally show up at our best. Like sometimes we pull it out, you know what I mean? But there's been so many moments uh I gamble a little bit here and there and you know Saints are an eight and a half point favorite or a seven and a half point favorite and and I end up eating a lot of money because I was stupid enough to lay the points when I should never, ever lay that many points. Um, you know what I mean? My, but the point is, I'd rather us be hungry than be the one that has expectations. That kind of scares me as a Saints fan because you're kind of just waiting for the for the ceiling to fall in. Um, I have another question quickly, just kind of thinking about this as, as we're going here. Like one thing I thought about was like which, which, how, how strong the Saints locker room is and, and not having maybe fans in the stadium or even full capacity. Like, do you think that the Saints are, are one of the better teams in terms of having like that mental preparedness and and you know not having the home field advantage still you know somehow be favorable for them in some capacity? Yeah, I, I do. And look, the one thing that I've kind of been thinking about myself, and I brought this up a couple times on, on my website. Um, so if anybody reads it, like, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but you know, I, I do think one of the things that that could happen is. Like, if, if there's no crowd noise whatsoever, like, everything everybody says on the field, the other teams are going to be able to hear. And if they still have players mic'd up on the field, like, everybody watching on TV is going to be able to hear that stuff. But even, like, your divisional opponents, like, you're, you're playing Carolina twice, you know, Atlanta, whatever, like, they're going to hear all your calls. They're going to hear every single check, every single thing you do. And there's going to be somebody, when it's that silent, like, and they already do this, but when it's that silent, like, you're amplifying it. Like, there's going to be people over there, you know, writing down stuff and taking notes on everything you're saying. So the next time you play, you're going to have to change all that stuff. And if you have, you know, a quarterback, uh, a head coach, an offensive coordinator that's, you know, coming coming up on the second decade of being together, switching stuff up and, and you know, changing things around. And then, you know, it's a veteran team kind of around them, too. There's some young guys, but, you know, mostly a lot of these guys that have been around for a while and they've played in the same system for a few years. You're going to be able to change that communication a little bit easier, and it's not going to be as confusing. Whereas if you're like a, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater, and you're in year one in a system, and you're doing things, and you're getting comfortable with it, and then you got to change it for the second game, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for you. So, you know, I, I do think, you know, being a veteran team, like that's going to create a huge, huge advantage for them. And look, I mean, like teams don't like to change this stuff. Like I, I did this story on the, the site earlier this year, and you know, I was looking at all their two minute drills. And if you go back four or five years, like, some of the signals, they use hand signals in those. Like, you'll see, like, Drew tap his arm or, like, you know, touch himself at a specific spot, and then you watch the play they run, and it's the play, and you see it happen three, four, five times. Okay, that's a signal for the play. Well, some of the signals that they were using in, like, you know, 2012 are still the same signals they were using last season. So, like, teams aren't changing this stuff all the time if they don't feel like it's it's threatened and needs to be protected. But, like, now that, you know, these things are changing and the situation could be changing and, and they need to, you know, protect themselves, 
that could become a big thing this season. And, you know, based on what I've seen, like, yeah, there are some changes, but it's not something they do every week. So the teams that aren't familiar, I really do think are going to suffer to a certain degree. Yeah. Well, I got I got a question to, to throw on this, and this is uh, we we obviously talked about the position of strength and the position of weakness. We think that you think corner is probably our position of weakness going into the year. Um. Well, I mean, I think at the top they probably have one of the better cornerback situations in the NFL, but the, at the bottom, I think you do start to get some concerns. But I do also want to say that, like, when we talk about concerns with this team, like, it's prefaced through like the the understanding that it's like one of the most talented rosters in the NFL and like their problems comparatively speaking to other teams problems I don't think are, are quite as amplified but like through the prism of the Saints yeah I do think that that cornerback is probably weirdly enough one of the positions where, where it, it is a little bit soft yeah okay so what would you say is our, our position our biggest position of strength on that team and you can't say the quarterback room because the quarterback room is obviously that's the best quarterback room in the NFL hands down um, what, what would it be our biggest our position of strength not quarterback. It's a good question. Um, biggest position of strength on the team. I mean, there's some issues at linebacker when you go a little bit deeper down. So I don't think it's anything. I mean, offensive tackle is definitely. I mean, you know, I think they have two of the best six or seven in the league. But Teron, you know, he's, he's going to get hurt probably at some point during the season. So. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's a tough one to, to put up there. Um, the interior line, I think, is extremely promising, but there's still, you know, questions with, with guys. Wide um, receiver, you get the three. It's a little bit, it's a little bit weak. Is it safety? Like safety might might be the, the best position on the team right, in terms of depth. Yeah, I I could see I could actually see that. I could be persuade, persuaded because are, are you lumping CJ GJ in as safety? Yeah, I am. Williams guy, I think Marcus Williams, like, it's, it's, you know, he might forever be somebody who's four plays away every season away from being, you know, one of the best safeties in the league, but I think on 495 out of the 500 pass plays he's on the field for, like, he's incredible, it's those handful of plays, you know, where, where he makes mistakes, and I also think, like, okay, you, you look at the Emmanuel Sanders play last year against uh, San Francisco when, when he went out there, and then, you know, he fell down. They're in a two-safety shell. Like, he shouldn't – you watch that play, like, his recognition of the pass, his range to get over there, that's a play that, I don't know, 30 out of the 32 uh, free safeties in the NFL, the starting guys, like, they aren't going to get to that play. He gets to it. So it's like – you know, it's kind of like if you were going to make a baseball analogy. It's like a, a shortstop who gets to, a, like, a ball hit on the other side of second base, and he has crazy range, but he gets there and gets his glove on it, can't feel it, you know, he commits an error. Yeah. Like there's plays where Marcus is, is putting himself in positions that he has no business getting there, but he can get there. And then, you know, okay, you're there, so you should make the play. But, you know, it, it's a double-edged sword a little bit. So I think some of the commentary around him, like, beer's way too negative. But, you know, I, you know, he, he does got to get better, though. Like, there's a handful of plays. I'm going to be a believer until there's nothing left to believe, like, I just, I think he does things that nobody else can do, but he's, he's got to clean up a little bit. Okay, well, I got this little game I want to play with you too, and it's a quick one. So you're gonna say, you're gonna answer after I, I name a guy. You're gonna say better, worst, or the same. Okay. So I, I want, I want your projection of these guys for next year based on better, worst, or same going forward. Uh, Andres Pete. 
I think he'll be better. Uh, injuries have been an issue for him, and you know, I, I they they recognize some stuff in his technique that, that needs to be cleaned up. Cool, Justin. Uh, I think he'll be better. I think because uh, Mike Thomas got paid, came in and, and kind of showed guys that just because you get paid doesn't mean you have to, you know, stop, you know, accelerating. Um, I think that might be sort of like the new mentality for this locker room, hopefully, and, and maybe Andrews P will take that on. Okay, good. And kind of provide that same, you know, one for himself too. Okay. Uh, what about Marcus Williams? Better, same, or worse? You know, I think he'll probably be the same. Same. Um, <laughs> despite what I just said, like you know, he. he <laughs> He just always makes these four or five mistakes every year, and he, he makes them at the worst times, and they're glaring. And you know they're, they're still going to be there. And you know I, I, just don't, <laughs> I don't know how that, that changes. I, I you know I'd like to see him change it, but I, I don't know if he will. That's fair, Justin. I think I think better. Okay. I think just because Von Bell is on Malcolm Jenkins, then he might learn a bit more from Malcolm Jenkins than he might have from Von Bell uh, in terms of playing together back there. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll be a bit better. Not, not much. Maybe three plays that's a, a year, but four plays a year. That's, the Von Bell thing is a, is a great point. And, yeah, I mean, you, you, I think you, you just made a, an excellent point there. Because Von, there was a lot of things in coverage that Von was not good at. Um, you know, excellent run defender, excellent blitzer, pass coverage, extremely mediocre. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, maybe getting them out of there might might limit some of the ground that Marcus feels like he needs to cover. Yeah. And uh, do you think that's why Sean made that move to kind of let Vaughn walk and bring Malcolm Jenkins in for basically the same price like that would have been asked for by Vaughn Bell? Um, yeah, so are, are we going quick here again? Well, yeah, I don't want to belabor it. That's a good question. I don't want to belabor it, but that is a good question. So I'll let you answer that one and I'll fly through the rest. Yeah, so basically they, they were closing in on a deal with Vaughn at the time Malcolm got cut, and then they just basically cut off negotiations with Vaughn, went to Malcolm, because Malcolm is better at coverage, and I think that there's a recognition that they needed to do things a little bit better. It's going to take a step back and run defense a little bit, obviously. I think you, you can probably scheme Malcolm the Blitz similarly. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, and they played a lot of two-safety last year, and I think that's something they want to do a little bit more of. It helps with your disguise. Um, you know, they're obsessed with this idea of playing positionless football, and I think Malcolm's ability to play in the box and go deep at safety kind of opens that up a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely with with, them, uh, with an eye on that. Yeah, okay. We'll fly through these ones, all right? Uh, shy Tuttle. I think he'll get better. Just okay. Year, second year league. Justin? Better. That flat Ryan really helped his confidence. <laughs> okay. Uh, the guy that we're the the reason the re, the reason why I thought the Saints actually let go of Von Bell was CJGJ. He's cheaper. Um, he hits the same way. He does a lot of things. He's actually a little bit more versatile and better in coverage. So, what do you guys think about CJGJ? Better. Yeah, I'll go with better too. Okay, PJ Williams. Same. Same, but more diverse. I think they're going to do more with him. Okay, and maybe that makes him a little bit better because. You know, he's, he's just playing in more spots and, and doing some different things. So maybe per snap, there's a little more value. But I think, you know, overall, he kind of is who he is. Okay, playoff Josh Hill. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in playoff Josh Hill. So, I, you know, the, the, the legend will grow once they're back in the playoffs. Okay, good. Well, Justin, what about you? I, I, I concur with Nick entirely. Uh, what about Latavius Murray? Ooh, better. Okay. Um, I, I think that maybe his carries become a little bit 
Yeah, I think I, I think. I feel like they should use them more, but I think healthy album might negatively impact his, his overall production. I also think adding Ty Montgomery is really going to hurt because now he's going to get less of a load because he Montgomery's going to yeah. be on the field, so they're going to find usage for him. So it's going to I think it's going to hurt Murray actually. Um, Traquan Smith, he's my breakout player. What do you think? I think I think being in a in a more limited role is, is really going to help him. I think it takes some of the stuff off his plate. You can focus on what he does well. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say better. Yeah. <laughs> Justin. I think it'll be about the same production-wise, okay. but that probably, you know, fewer targets, but same production. So that makes him better, I guess, right? So yeah. <laughs> slightly better. Okay, I got three left. Uh, Deontay Harris on oh, offense, not, not special teams, just offense. So Nick, special teams too. I, I think he'll clean up the three fumbles. So okay. I'll be even better there. Do you think he'll actually be on the field a lot for offense, Nick, or do you think that he'll just kind of stay in that gadget role? I, you know, I don't know if a lot's the right word, but I think he'll be on the field more. And I think you know, having a whole offseason to kind of like last year, he came and they didn't know who he was or what he was going to do, or we, you know, they didn't even they didn't even know if the dude was going to make the team. They've had a you know whole offseason to. You know, kind of think of him in a imagine different ways to use him and create packages, and you know, work with him on some of that stuff. So it'll be more, and you know, I think it'll be more creative too. Okay, and then and, these. And, and listen, one thing about Deontay Harris too is that the last game we saw him play, he did catch a fifty-yard bomb uh, with Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith all over him uh, in in a hugely important play of the game. Uh, so if, if that's going to be his last play that he you know had on offense. I don't see how Sean doesn't get him more involved, you know, to start the year out too. So that's hope so. That's hope so. I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, the last two, they, these require probably a little bit more thought, but nonetheless, just let's go through them quickly. Uh, Drew Brees. Oh man, you know what? I, I think he's. I think he's going to You said all those things, and all those things are actually accurate. But I think the biggest concern for Drew, Drew to be the best Drew that he could be this year is being upright. And I th- think them dedicating a lot of resources to the offensive line 
and making sure and keeping Pete there for consistency and you know what I mean? Just everything. Addressing, you know, by bringing in Ruiz and I think they're going to kick McCoy out to guard. You know what I mean? Whatever they do there and then having a bunch of depth guys if if and when Toronto Armstead goes down so, so that we have someone solid at left tackle. Uh, I think if that offensive line stays where it's at, Drew's going to have a field day. There, There's a bunch of weapons that he hasn't really had. I don't remember a team that had weapons like this, you know, circa David Patton days, you know what I mean, with Colston and those guys and Devery Henderson where they actually could, like, spread you out a bit. But, um, yeah, I think I think Drew's going to have one of his better years that we've seen in the last four years, which is saying a lot because he's had some great ones. Um AK, this is the last one. So AK, contract here, wants to get paid. He's not going to hold out, I hope. What do you guys think about AK? I'm going better. I, th- I think that's an easy better. It's just you're going to bet on his, his health. And even if his health isn't there, like I, I think he would – he's just saying – like he just doesn't – like unless he gets knocked off the field, like he, he's going to produce. Like his numbers last year were still – outside of the touchdowns, like his, his yards for touch and stuff like that were still extremely good, like – relative to normal running backs. It's just we expect him to be a superhuman. He stays healthy. He's, he's going to be that superhuman. So I'm going to say better. Okay, Justin? Likewise. Likewise. Perfect. Okay, Justin, before I jump into our bottom five, because we want to get Nick out of here, we want to keep him too long. Do uh, you have any more questions? Um, I think he answered all the questions I had. Uh, and uh, I guess just one thing I was thinking about, though, and we talked about it earlier in the podcast, about if, if Marshall went down or if you know, any, any of the D-line guys went down, like, what if Demario Davis went down? What, what would happen to the Saints and a linebacker? Like, would, would they start nine. more like Malcolm Jenkins or like DJ DJ in the box to kind of help out? Or, or what would be the case there? Man, I, you know, if he goes down, I feel like that's kind of the doomsday scenario. Because that linebacker group's weird because, you know, I do think that they have a lot of really good players, but that, like, behind Demario, like, it's a lot of injury question marks and Banzolong goes down, Kiko goes down. You know, you, you start to have... I don't, want, I don't even think those would create super significant issues as long as you have DeMario out there. And you could move one of your safeties into the box and, and you know, kind of cover up some of that stuff. But, man, if he goes down and, and you're relying on, on those guys plus, like, a safety in there, it's that's a scary that's a scary situation. Like, I, I think that he, like, I don't know, man. Like, kind of more than anybody else, like, taking that defense to the, the next level. Like, with, And that's kind of relative to how long they, they – search for linebacker help and, you know, came up empty with it. And A.J. Klein was a step forward, but he wasn't quite the guy. But when they got to Mario, it was like, you know, they, they took that next step. And maybe Bonds, somebody that, that's going to be able to help out off the ball, but until, you know, I kind of go out there and see with my own eyes, like I'm going to have to kind of, you know, treat him as a projection and a, and a question mark, you know, as far as the linebacker stuff goes. So, man, yeah, if he got hurt, I, I think that you would have to start, you know, it, you could probably get by with, with Anzalone. You know, I don't know if you want Kiko out there on third down, so it would probably be, you know, a safety would have to move into the box and then maybe PJ's a, a slot. And, you know, you just have to get real creative with, with how you overcame that. Yeah, I think you said that. I was thinking just now, too. Like, you know, I know he was all pro this year, uh, Demario Davis. So, like, does that, does that kind of, like, make him want to all of a sudden have to prove himself as an all pro for a second year? Maybe he tries you know, different things a bit harder and maybe works harder and, and, and maybe may lead to more injuries, not being reckless just by but trying to show that he deserves an all-pro for, you know, a second year in a row or does the all-pro kind of humble him a bit and then, um, you know, kind of let him know that he, he belongs in that, 
enough throughout his career to kind of learn that he needs to, to stay within him himself and do the things that he does well and, you know, stay away from the things he doesn't do well. But, I mean, they do talk about him as being, like, one of the guys who's the hungriest, like, on the team to get better. And he's, you know, constantly calling Michael Hodges, the linebacker's coach, and, you know, picking his brain, asking him for, for things to work on, having him look at things he's doing and stuff like that. So I think he's still trying to raise his bar, but I, I don't think he's somebody – I think that he got humble early in his career when, when things were going wrong, and I, I don't—he's not somebody I worry about trying to do too much. Is, is basically what you know what I'm saying. So I won't go too deep into that because I talk a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't worry. He's one of the guys I don't worry about at all, really, on the team. Okay. All right, that's awesome. Um, all right, let's get into the meat and potatoes, here, Nick. Let's start. You start us down from number five all the way to one. Your your five least liked teams in the NFL. So I don't know if I have if I have five. I grew up in Pennsylvania in Erie. Um, it's right on it's right on Lake Erie. It's like two hours away from Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo. Okay. And I I was just kind of like the contrarian. It's like because there really wasn't a home team. There was like kind of a home team, okay. three of them. And like I just kind of was like the guy that tried to annoy everybody. So like <laughs> I would just talk a lot of trash about all three of those teams. So. That, those would be probably the, the teams, but I, you know, I don't have a ton of animosity towards anybody. You know, I think some of the stuff the, the Falcons do is it's corny, but like I don't, I don't know if I like hate them the same way as, as you guys do. Okay. But like, okay, like so we, we went there the one year and like they didn't they didn't acknowledge what Winter said. Uh, I think it was a all time completions record. They refused to announce it. They had a typo on their scoreboard on the Tom Benson uh, tribute after he passed away. Like stuff like that, I think is is kind of you know stupid and borderline classless, but yeah. I mean, other, I don't, I don't know if it's like deep-seated animosity towards any team, though. Okay. So you don't, you say you don't have a bottom five? <laughs> um, okay, so do, do you have, a, do you have a, do you have a team that you cheer for that's not the Saints that you're like, when they win, you're, you're kind of happy they win? Yeah, so this is going to be uh, contrary to what I just said, but the, the one guy in the league that's from Erie is James Conner. He plays for Pittsburgh. He's somebody I kind of keep an eye on just because you know, we're, we're from the same place. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, as far as the team, not really. Like, I, I don't really have time to, like, even follow. Like, I, I spend so much time, like, looking at the Saints and thinking about the Saints and studying what they're doing. But, like, I, I don't I don't really get a chance to watch a lot of other teams. Like, I keep a lot of my sight on them. So, um, you know, I, I check to see what James Conner does, you know, just because uh, other than that, you know, it's the guys on my fantasy team really um, – which I get way, way too into and to an unhealthy <laughs> level, probably. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're yeah, the same boat. Really, the Saints are really the only team I pay attention to. That's fair enough. That's I, fair. I was becoming the same like, fan slash follower slash media uh, journalist. Yeah. No, say, 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 the question was, how'd you become a Saints, uh, a Saints fan? Oh, oh, oh. So, I was, covering, I was covering the Patriots, um, before I started out up there, that was that was my first job covering the NFL. I was covering the Patriots. It was for a little newspaper, like on the opposite side of Massachusetts from from Boston. Um, so I was up there doing it, um, and they had the job down here. The editor, who well, was the advocate at the time, sometimes Picune slash advocate now or whatever they're calling it. Um, he uh, he, I don't know. He saw my stuff and you know gave me a call, asked me to come down. I came down and. I don't know, like, just kind of being here right away, like, on that interview, it just kind of, kind of felt like, 
the right place to be. I don't know. It's hard to describe because, like, I never really, like, felt attached to an area. And that was, like, the weird thing about leaving, too, is that I didn't think I would miss the area because, like, nowhere has, like, really ever felt like home to me. I've, I've moved around, you know, quite a bit. You know, my family's in Erie, but, like, I'm not... I'm not, like, super passionate about, like, when I think of home, it isn't, like, there, like, so I always just felt like, hey, if I got my wife, I got my dog, like, I'm cool, like, I can be anywhere, and I'll, I'll be cool with it, and then, like, I left, and, like, I, I miss this place, and, like, it was the same thing, like, when I first came here, it just, like, it just felt right, and it was like, oh, like, I want to live here, I want to do this, and, uh, yeah, that's how it happened, this guy, Joe, Joe Schiefelbein, you know, found my, my articles at the small newspaper in Massachusetts, brought me down, and here we are. That's awesome, man. Cool. Um, so, the, the last question we'll ask you before we get you out of here is, your, your favorite Saints moment, um, obviously, obviously the Super Bowl and all these other moments are big for a lot of people, but your favorite Saints moment that people wouldn't be familiar with off the top of their head, do you have one that kind of sticks out for you? Ooh, off the top of the... <laughs> like, I'll give you an, I'll give, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. I, I flew down to New Orleans uh, with my girlfriend and a couple of friends one year, and they were playing the Patriots in the Dome. And Devery Henderson catches a deep bomb for a touchdown. That moment for me is just like one of the coolest moments ever. Just I just remember that touchdown. I was a big Devery fan, and it was just a cool moment that stuck out to me. Monday Night Football in '09. Yeah, and then Darren Sharper. I went to the Halloween game, and Darren Sharper got that interception against Pittsburgh. You know, to kind of seal the game. Like, that, that's another big one for me. You know, like these are memories that that I kind of that I kind of stick to. So, do you have a, a fond memory that? You know, just a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with. I, I got a couple that are probably for, like, weird reasons. Uh-huh. One of them would definitely be, like, 100% would be the play where they put the three quarterbacks out on the field because, I, I, like, I had anticipated that. Every time they, they lined up before a play, like, I was just dying for Sean to finally do that. <laughs> and then, you know, he, he finally did it. And then I think in, in 17, probably week three, like, when things started rolling for them a little bit, like, that was a point... The way they started that season was so bad, and the way I had written about them the whole offseason, I'm like, ah, oh, this defense is, like, actually good. This team's actually going to be good, you know. And, and, like, I'm going on and on about it, like, every time. And then, like, the first two games of that season were so bad. Like, yeah. Really like, I actually wrote a thing, like, apologizing. I was, like, and I was, like, questioning my ability to, like, watch and analyze the game. Like, I'm like, I, do I not know what I'm doing? Like, how is this this bad? And then, you know, when things clicked and, and they got rolling, and really that, that whole season, you know, after the previous three, like, I, I think, you know, just was probably satisfying to see them kind of come through this whole thing and, and watch the process and actually, you know, see it pay off. And then, you know, that was, you know, covering the team, like, it, it, it's better when they're winning games because people care about what you're doing and they want to read your stuff. The players are in better mood. So, like, that whole season was probably, I, I would say for me, it was probably my, my favorite season covering the team. Awesome. Awesome. Despite, you know, that ending was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was at, I, uh, I drove, like, Minnesota's six hours from us. So we went down. I've told everybody, we drove down with 10 people, uh, all decked out in Saints gear, you know, bought great tickets and went to the game. And I, uh, I've, ne- I've never felt a gut punch like that before. That was, that was one of the worst. It was, uh, that was the, the hardest thing I've, I've ever covered in my, my life just because, like, like, we have deadlines at the newspaper, and, like, the back and forth, like, at halftime, you're, like, right, like, okay, they got buried, and then, like, you start writing the story, like, all right, they, they fought their way back, and they made it respectable, and then, like, they take the lead, you start writing the story that they win, and then that play happens. Yeah. And, like, that was the first time ever, in my, my, you know, 
at that point, I was like eight years into covering the NFL. That was the first time ever. Like, I had to call him. I was like, look, I'm not going to have a story for like our first edition. Like, I, I just can't do it. Like, it was, I've never felt more shocked like my whole life uh, <laughs> in a moment again. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Justin, you got a favorite moment that that, that sticks out that's not a, a prominent one? He didn't get over. That wasn't. You know, the funny thing is, he didn't get. He didn't get that. <laughs> the referee's got a right one. So over, he got over. Um, but yeah, that, that fourth down conversion overtime, where he jumped jumped the pile and and got the tip of the football just on the line to get it over, and then kind of progressed to get that field goal from Harley. Uh, that moment forever is going to be like a stick out of mine, definitely. Well, I just came up with an idea for our next podcast. We're going to do a, uh, an idea where we're going to go top 10 most gut-wrenching Saints plays um, that, that we've had to experience. Because I like as I'm thinking through my head of all the positives, I'm also like, oh, Pierre Thomas getting concussed against San Francisco. The, you know, the River City Miracle where we missed the, where John Carney misses the kid. Like, there's so many plays that you just get punched in the face as a Saints fan. You're just, it does not feel good. Um, you know what, Nick? It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. It, this, is, this is actually really cool for us. We're just guys that really enjoy it and just love it. And to, to be able to talk with you and, and rap with you is awesome. Um, oh, I forgot to ask you one question. You can just answer one word answer. We, only, we can only pay three of the guys, a.k.a. Marcus Williams, Marshawn, and Ramchek. Which guy's on the outs next year? Uh, I would probably have to guess Marcus. Okay, because he's going to get $50 million. Yeah, there, a lot of people are saying the same thing. Do you want to elaborate on that, or you, or you just want to do the one word answer? Um, I just think that Like I was saying, Justin, um, Justin and I are both ecstatic to have you on. That was awesome. Just to be able to talk with you is pretty cool, man. And ho- hopefully we could have you on again uh, uh, later on in the future when we actually get some more Saints news. Maybe Jadavian Clowney signs and we all get excited because we have the best, you know, 
bookends in the game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on, Nick, and uh, all the benefit, all the best for you with your website as well. The, the yeah, website. Appreciate, uh, I appreciate you supporting it, and yeah, whenever you want to come on, I'm always down.